I'm going to do a little bit of training today. I'm introducing the topic, but Jake is going to go into a lot more detail into each one. So I'm going to give an overview of some things that I could talk for six hours about, but I'm not going to. I'm just going to touch on some things so you don't have to worry about even taking notes today because Jake's going to go into more detail um, as he preaches through this series. So I'm just sort of kicking off the series today. Um, uh, my son Grayson's here with me, um, my oldest son. I have a 15-year-old boy, a 10-year-old boy, and a 3-year-old boy, so a big old spread. Um, I've been at Grace Chapel for about four years um, up in Franklin, uh, about 105 small groups all spread out all, all over the entire um, Williamson County area. And um, it's really important. I think, you know, this is a small group, you know, even today. So, um, but when we get together, we're at the end of what I'm about to say, I'm going to actually have you practice what I'm talking about. You're actually going to not just learn something today, you're going to do something today. And so um, listen like, a, like you're going to teach this, not like you're a student. Does that make sense? So uh, as I'm speaking through the material, I, I want you um, to be thinking about, okay, well, how, how would I actually take that and use it? Because um, we are all called and empowered to reach the entire world for Jesus, one person at a time. And it doesn't matter where you are or what your job is or whether you're in school, you have people around you that are looking to you. And uh, you are making disciples whether you realize it or not. And so we want to talk about being more intentional about that today and what that would look like. But let me pray before we, we dive in. Um, Father, we love you. We need you this morning to speak to us. Uh, apart from your spirit, nothing can happen in our lives. We are powerless without you. Lord, um, we need you, even this morning, to speak to us. I pray that you would take what I'm teaching, Lord, and just bring just the right thing that we all need to hear, the thing that would light a fire in us to make disciples, to be a part of your kingdom work in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> so I want to read to you guys a scripture from Matthew 28. If you want to open in your Bibles, um, this is known as the Great Commission, um, a well-known passage. This is kind of when, when somebody says the last thing they're going to say to you for a, quite a while, right? Um, it, it's important, right? Uh, Jesus is, is about ready to ascend into heaven, and he's just finished up 40 days of teaching on the kingdom of heaven after being resurrected. So you can imagine how everyone was listening differently. If I was resurrected, Jimmy, this morning... You would listen differently, wouldn't you? And so they'd been kind of listening for about three years, but now they were very, very much paying attention to not only are you Jesus, we think you're um, the Messiah, but we now know you are actually God. And he's been teaching them on the kingdom of heaven, and he is about ready to ascend, and he gives them these instructions. They're very clear. Matthew 28, um, I'm going to start in verse 16. Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Isn't that amazing? Even then? Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. 
Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. I mean, a few things stand out to me right there, okay? First of all, they're still doubting, right? Does that stick out to anybody? Resurrected Jesus, who's about ready to ascend into heaven, they're still going, I don't know. And I think probably they're doubting themselves more than they're doubting him. Because he's, about, he's telling them to do some things that they don't think they can do. And I think that's probably the, the average Christian that lives out their life doesn't really feel like um, this stuff all necessarily applies to them. They kind of feel like, I can't do it. I don't know if I can do it. You know, I, you know, are we called to make disciples or are the pastors supposed to do it? Are there just special people that do it? Or, you know, evangelists? Or what about just the ordinary person? Is, is everyone in this room really supposed to make disciples? Because remember, these guys weren't special. They would not be the guys you would pick to be your squad to change the world. I guarantee you, you would not, you know, you would not think that this room, even this room full of people is going to change the world, right? They felt, they felt just like you do. And they were going, I don't know. <laughs> I think you should stay around, right? Because <laughs> he's been telling them he's going to leave. And they're like, I don't know about this because this, this shouldn't really depend on me, these fishermen guys. But God decided to change the world through people. It's, it's, he decided his plan to change the world was discipleship. It was a few men that he passed on life to. And then he gave us a plan that we could actually do, which is to love and guide people along that are just around us, whoever they are. And that's a simple plan, but it does change the world. And it changed the world very quickly. But I want you to pay attention to something real quick, and that is um, that you have been authorized by Jesus. Okay? Um, this is important language. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. So he's saying, I am the boss. <laughs> right? I am in charge. Right? All authority. In fact, out of everything in the Bible, this is the clearest thing that you've been asked to do. Because you've been authorized by God to Jesus, to us, to make disciples. Really clear. I, it's sort of like if someone says, hey, I've been authorized to do this, and now I'm asking you to do it. It would be like me saying, I've deputized you this morning, and you can now go make disciples. And then how do you do that? You teach them to obey everything I commanded. The great omission, the great missing piece in the great commission, as it's called, the great commission, is teach them to obey everything I commanded. Right? So then, you know, you, you look through church history and you'll notice that that happened. You wouldn't be sitting here if that hadn't happened. You have been by someone discipled. You are at least curious about Jesus. You started following Jesus. You started to be changed by Jesus. And you are in some way on mission with Jesus or you would not be in this school 
right now, right? God's been doing something. And uh, now it's about now refining that. How do we refine that mission? Like, raise your hand if you've had somebody invest in you in your walk. Yeah, you wouldn't be sitting here, right? That's discipleship. Now, over the course of history, the definition for that can change. Because what have we been authorized to do? Teach them to obey obey everything I said. Make disciples, right? But what is a disciple? If you don't define what a disciple is, you can't make any. (laughs) Right? And so if you were to say, all right, go make lasagna, you would want to know what are the ingredients, right? Well, what what, what is it that I need to have to make that thing? Well, when Jesus said, go make disciples, they knew exactly what he meant. They knew all the ingredients because... They were the product. They're the, they are the lasagna, <laughs> right? Jesus had been discipling them, and they know that they weren't always listening. They weren't always following. They are always kind of a mess, and they kind of were kept screwing up, and they kept doing everything wrong. And Jesus had been kind of working along with them through a process, and they were becoming disciples. And they go, you want us to do what you just did with us. They knew, right? I want you to go teach people to obey everything I just commanded. The things I just did with you, go do with other people, right? And that's the stage that's been set. And the baton has been passed, passed, passed all the way down to you. And every generation has the ability to just not hand it to the next generation. I would say that if you look at the statistics, and I'm not going to depress us with the statistics, but if you look at the church today in America, you would say... They did a bad job making disciples. Now, why would I say that? Because the statistics show us they have the same addiction rates as a non-Christian. They have the same uh, divorce rates as a non-Christian. You just go through and you see all these very depressing statistics where you go, man, what kind of copy did we make? What kind of disciples are we making? I mean, if we were in a factory and we were in charge of making toasters, and bicycles started coming out the other end, wouldn't we go back and ask the question, wait, (laughs) what happened? Don't we have to change something to get back to making what we're supposed to, right? And so the first step in doing that is to define what a disciple is. Um, In Luke chapter 5, we have Jesus coming up to Simon, who is... has cleaned his nets, has worked all night. He's a professional fisherman. And Jesus asks to get out in his boat to teach from the boat because the people are on the shore. And he's actually teaching the people from Simon's boat. And at at some point, Jesus looks over at Simon and says, hey, go out in the deep water. Go out in the deep water and throw in your nets. Now, Peter's a pro. (laughs) And he's a fisherman. Can you imagine if someone got all up in your business like that? Like if they came in to your business and told you how to do it, but he, you know what I'm saying? And he says, I want you to go throw it. And he's like, he's like, well, let me explain this real quick. Uh, we fished all night. We didn't catch anything. And, you know, I've heard that you don't really catch fish in the deep water. You catch it in the shallow water. So, and I've been doing this for a while my whole life. I'm a fisherman. You're not a fisherman. You're a carpenter, right? And so, but he says, you know what, master, because you said so, I'll do it. He knew enough about Jesus to know he should 
he's listening. So he throws out his nets and he catches so many fish that the nets are just tearing at the seams. And in fact, they fill up the whole boat with so many fish that the boat actually begins to sink. And they have to call the other boats from the shore to come out to help with the catch. So just get the scene. You know, you're up to here in fish. Your boat's sinking, right? And you're in this boat with Jesus. And these other two boats are coming from the shore. Can you picture yourself there? And his reaction isn't like, yes, this is the best catch ever, <laughs> right? He's not high-fiving Jesus. He's not excited about the fish. You know what he does? He looks at Jesus and says, get away from me, for I'm a sinful man. Like he got, when, when he realized who Jesus was a little further, he went, I have no business being in this boat with you. And Jesus doesn't, doesn't say, yes, you do. You're special. <laughs> you know, you're a talented, and I'm going to bring that talent out. No, he, he, says, <laughs> he says, come, follow me, and I will make you a fisher of men. Right? And so in the invitation of Jesus given to Simon, who would become Peter, he actually embeds the definition in the invitation. He says, come, follow me, and what? I will make you a fisherman, right? Which he's going, because it's not on me, right? Because I'm a mess, and I know it. I don't know if you, raise your hand if you know you're a mess. You're in big trouble if you don't know already. Oh, some of you, you aren't raising your hand, so <laughs> you're, in big, <laughs> you're in big trouble. So you go, man, and when you get closer to God, you realize, man, I'm going to need something special to happen if I'm going to do this. And, uh, but you have all three pieces, and I'm just going to show you real quick a definition, a really good definition. And the triangle is just to help you remember it. Okay. Um, but before I do that, I just want to tell you a quick story. There was this um, Olympic marksman. This is a true story. It was, I think, three or four Olympics ago. And... Um, he lines up for his final shot to get the gold medal, and he had scored so high at this point that it would be very easy for him to just do an okay shot and win. So he, he's confident. He lines up, takes his final shot, um, kind of does the fist pump, high-fives his teammates, and he's just like cheering and celebrating. He's like, I know, I just got the gold medal. But then the guys that are in charge start coming over and checking his gun. And he's like, what's going on? And they're like, your gun must have misfired because you didn't hit the target at all. These guys don't miss the target, <laughs> right? I mean, they missed by this much. And, he, and he's like, no, I know I hit it. I know I hit a bullseye. I mean, I got it. And they're like, no, you didn't even hit it. You did not even hit the target at all. And so they kept checking his gun. And you can imagine they watched it in slow motion 50,000 times trying to figure out what happened. <laughs> And what they finally figured out is he had shot a perfect shot in the lane next to his. It was the wrong target. And so today, when I'm talking to you about defining what a disciple is, the problem isn't that you're, isn't that you're gonna miss, because we're all gonna miss a little bit, right? We're not gonna do this perfect. The problem is we're aimed, we were aimed at the wrong target. The problem is you're going to hit what you aim for, not that you're not going to hit it. 
So what you're shooting for really matters. You're shooting for something. If I was going to say, make me a Christian, what are the ingredients? You have a list. It just could be wrong. It could be very incomplete. I don't know if you've ever made cookies and left out an ingredient. <laughs> but that's a big problem, isn't it? So the problem is, is that we're all aiming for something. We're all trying for something, you know, with our kids and in our own life. You know, you think about it with people that you're investing in, you're trying to encourage along the way in their walk with Jesus. You think, I'm aiming for something. What is it? So I want to give you a, a clear bullseye, okay? A good thing to aim for. This is from Jesus, not me. So come, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. So the first part is follow. Follow me, and I will make you. The next part is change. You, a fisher of men. That's mission. Now I want to explain each of these. So it's, uh, Matthew 4, 19 is the quote. Luke 5 is the story. <laughs> so you say, come, follow me, and I will make you a fisher of men. So follow. This is probably the most, you know, if you don't do this part, you can't do the other ones. Right? If you want to be a disciple of Jesus, if you want to make disciples of Jesus, you have to follow Jesus. Right? You can't follow Jesus unless Jesus is alive. Right? You can emulate him. You can learn about him. You can try to copy him. I think most material on discipleship is about copying Jesus. But it misses the, it misses the target completely. It's about knowing Jesus. Right? You can try to make a copy and never know. You can try to act like Michael Jordan, but you're not going to be Michael Jordan. <laughs> right? You can stick your tongue out while you shoot. You can try to act like a lot of people, but you're, that's not going to make you like them, is it? No, you have to actually know them to become like them. You would have to spend time with them. And that's still true today. Jesus is alive today, this morning. If Jesus is not alive, we should not be meeting in the school. Jesus is alive, and he, and he is speaking still, and he is giving instructions on how to have life. And he's, he's giving instructions on plumbing. He's giving instructions on sales. He is, he is giving specific guidance and instruction on being a parent. He's speaking, and we're not listening, but he is teaching all the time. If anything, don't get anything else out of everything I said today. Become an apprentice of Jesus. Because he actually has things to say about your actual life. The specifics, the details, the things that are going on in your life. You can go to the God of the universe through Jesus, have audience with God to talk about your real particular stuff that's going on. If you don't have Jesus, the person that you know, you can't follow him. And Jesus doesn't give the same instructions to everybody all the time. Like, that's what's so fascinating about Jesus. Like, he goes up to the rich young ruler and he says one thing, and he goes over to this woman at the well and he says something different. And then he goes over to 
Simon and he kicks him, you know, <laughs> he's like, come on, right? They're all, I mean, you look at every single instance, he never says the same thing twice. He doesn't tell everybody to go sell everything they have. He doesn't walk up to everyone and say, I'm going to give you living water. His approach is different. His instructions are different. His, and that's just as true in this room. Jesus is speaking to you in your life, never, you know, off from what the word of God says, right? It's going to align with what the word of God says. So that's going to keep us from going off the rails. But Jesus is speaking to each of us about different things. Does that make sense? So that's why having a living Savior, a resurrected living Jesus, a relationship with God personally, is all about. You can't be a disciple and you cannot make disciples unless you are following Jesus. Amen? So change is absolutely necessary. Simon knew that in one second. <laughs> right? I am not in a spot. You know, most people are like, I will... I will lead or I will do something in ministry or I will help somebody um, follow Jesus once I get all my stuff figured out. I got to get me figured out first, right? But Jesus makes a promise. I will make you. You can't stay the way that you are today and follow Jesus. I can't stay the way I am today and follow Jesus. I have to change. Right now, he's teaching me a little bit about humility. It's not very fun. <laughs> I don't know what he's teaching you, but he's alive. And we can't stay the same and go with Jesus. True? So change is necessary. It's absolutely necessary. When I talk about change, I mean I'm talking about whatever is the last thing Jesus said, do it. That's all I mean. So obedience to the last thing Jesus said is change. You don't have to figure everything out all, you know, all at once. You just got to go, what are you saying to me right now? And then you just got to do that. So he said, remember, teach them to obey everything I commanded. So whatever he's saying, we need to learn to do. Make sense? The last piece is mission. Mission is a little bit more complicated because he said fisher of men. Remember, you got Peter and you got boats and they're coming and his boat's full of fish and their boats aren't. <laughs> this is when he said this, right? He said, come follow me and I will make you a fisher of men. See, Jesus has this in mind, that I am going to give you something that you can give to somebody else. You see that? It's three. Now, if you don't think in mission, most people, when I say mission, they go, oh, Africa. No, I don't mean that. I don't mean somewhere else. So when I say mission, I just mean wherever you are, God has a plan and a calling for what he is doing in your life right now. And he has a mission. And it has to do with giving somebody something that someone can give to somebody else. This. Giving away the person of Jesus teaching people from our own experience of the things that we're learning from him, and then them actually being able to give that to somebody else. The reason why we have to talk about this is because people do a really bad job handing things off. Now, there's a lot of people that have awesome relationship with Jesus, and they stop right here. They have, they're following Jesus. They've been transformed by Jesus, but they never give it to anybody else. 
They never give what God's given them to anyone else. And then the next generation comes and it's not passed on. You'll notice the, the, the research and statistics for teens right now, they're not adopting the faith of their parents. They're leaving and not coming back to the church. So they stayed in the church while they were made to, and they left when they didn't have to. It never became theirs. They didn't hand it off. And so we want to make sure that what we give people is something that they can have that's theirs, right? And that's what mission's all about. Mission is about that third generation. If it doesn't go three deep, it doesn't work. Unless I teach Grayson things in ways that he can teach them to my grandchildren, they're not going to get to my grandkids, right? If I don't teach something in a way that can be handed off, simply, like this triangle, then you can't teach it. If you guys can't go reteach what I'm teaching you today, it doesn't matter. If you couldn't actually sit down and go, well, let me tell you what a disciple is, then it's, it's not reproducible. It can't be used. It's, it's too complicated. So we want to make things simple. Follow Jesus, be changed by him, be on mission with him. Is that making sense? That, this is a very tried and true, crystal clear definition of a disciple. So if you're going to be a disciple, if you want to make disciples of Jesus, you have to know what one is, right? Everyone tracking with me? Okay, next piece. <laughs> so let's get, jump into the next one, because if once I say, okay, now, we got it. We got a target. We're going to make disciples. The reality of that is it's going to be messy business. Because you start getting involved in people's lives, and they're just like Simon. <laughs> right? You start getting involved in people's lives, and they don't, they don't listen. Right? And so I want to talk to you about the process of, of discipleship. Now, the definition is a lot more clear than the process. Processes are messy, right? Go, you know, you want to have a very clear target and a very messy process. That's a, very, that's a good recipe, right, for, for a strategy, right? So the process, I'm going to walk you through. You guys all know this process. You've already been through it. Um, and you'll notice that Jesus uses this language consistently. He uses um, language of someone being born again. Uh, you'll notice that Paul carries on the analogy when they uh, move into the Greek culture where they say, you know, you're like, he talks about Timothy like he's his son. Like, and then he wants, he wants his son to pass it on to his children spiritually, right? And so he was looking for spiritual fathers. You'll notice this language of kind of child, young adult, and sometimes Paul even said, I wish you would stop being babies, right? <laughs> I wish you would eat, stop drinking milk and start eating some solid food. I wish you would grow up. I wish you wouldn't stay. This is a change thing, right? I wish you wouldn't stay like you are. I wish you would grow. Well, if I say, be a disciple, everyone goes, yes, I want to be a disciple. And then I say, how do you grow? How, do you, how can you grow if you don't know what the next step is, Right? So I'm just going to walk you through this. Dead, born, infant, child, a young adult, and a parent. And this is called discipleship process.
This is a process everybody goes through, both in life and spiritually. Now, I wish we had time. We don't. I would go through each one of these and say, what are babies like? <laughs> what are babies like? What's an infant like? need everything. They're needy. What else? They're fussy. They're loud. You can, I can hear one right now. <laughs> they get what they want, right? They're like, I need something, I need something, and they get it. What's a, what's a child like, an elementary age child like? Needy and fussy. Yeah, they're also still needy. Lots of questions. Hmm? Wild, and Wild and hyper. They do. They have, they're just energetic. They have so much energy. They're just boundless with energy. They're very curious and just filled with joy and very gullible. And um, sponges. They just learn, 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 learn. I mean, they can learn anything. And but what about a young adult? See, I have one of each of these, you know. So <laughs> young adult. Young adults, what are they like? They can be rebellious, yep. Stubborn. Stubborn. Yep. What do they what do they want? They want to figure out how to do it themselves. That's right. They want more independence. They want to they want to figure out how to do it their own way. And how and is that important? Yeah. Especially if they're gonna have what you handed off. <laughs> Does that make sense? So this, this often gets painted. I never make it around this circle without this one being very negatively viewed. And it's the last handoff. So it's super important. It's easy to miss the boat on this one. Um, it should be awkward as uh, someone else becomes independent from you, more and more independent. And it's a difficult handoff, but it's really important. Most people don't make the transition from treating their children to treating them like a young adult. They're different. How about a parent? Describe a parent. Nurturing. Nurturing. Wisdom. They have some wisdom. Worried. 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 Yes, because they have children, right? <laughs> they have children to be worried about. Absolutely. They have to have children. They have to have children. That's right. You can't be a parent unless you have children. children. So today I'm going to give you a little a way to grade yourself spiritually where you're going to go, where do you kind of live spiritually on this map? We know how physically people go through these stages. But spiritually, if you had to put yourself somewhere, I mean, this is the, like if I go up into a mall and I walk up to the map, what do I need to know to use the map? You are here. I need the you are here. Navigation. And where I'm going. So those are the only two things I need to know once I have the map. What if I don't know where I am? Can I use it? What if I don't know where I want to go? Okay, so this is a mall map. This is a spiritual mall map where I say, all right, where are you? If you don't have the you are here moment, it doesn't do you any good. This tool does no good. <laughs> you say, you know, most of the time, you know, I've kind of, I'm really, really just very dependent. I'm just kind of taking it all in. And when I have something bad happens, I cry about it. And somebody else basically has to do something about it. I kind of am stationary spiritually, and everybody needs to bring me everything. Right? That's an infant. 
Have you ever heard somebody say, I just really don't feel like I'm being fed in this church? You heard that? That would be a spiritual infant because they're going, feed me, <laughs> right? You feed infants, right? Not that that isn't true. You might not have been getting fed there and you might need to go somewhere else. But the reality is that you can feed your... That's right. So what about a spiritual child? Maybe you're just sort of like, man, I'm rambunctious, I'm energetic and everything, but at the end of the day, I just everything's mine. <laughs> and nobody better touch my toys. And, <laughs> and, I, you know, and I'm, if I'm tired or I'm hungry, it's over. But the spiritual realities all go out the door. If I'm tired or I'm hungry, right? And then it's like, it's like my real character comes to the surface. Well, then you go, oh, well, that's not good, right? A spiritual child, but it, it's important. It's a stage we all go through. It's intemperate, right? But then you go, what about a spiritual young adult? Maybe you're kind of like, well, I'm starting to do something. I'm taking on some more responsibilities. I'm, I'm kind of making this my own thing. I, I'm challenging some things. I don't know if I believe that or not. Or what, do I believe it or not? Is this true for me, right? Or you're kind of battling a little bit with um, being a little bit rebellious. Maybe you're kind of um, have a bad attitude, right? Maybe, maybe as a young adult, you're like really, really ambitiously trying some new things and you failed a few times. So spiritual young adult or spiritual parent. You know, you're guiding along some other people that don't know what they're doing, just like you. Right? That's what parenting is. You don't get a manual when you, when you become a parent that says, here's how you do it. Nobody knows what they're doing that's a parent. I've never met a parent that says, I know what I'm doing. Especially a good one. <laughs> right? A good parent's like, well, here's some things I've tried. Right? <laughs> and, and that's, so parenting is not expert. See how this is not a scale to expert? One of the things they noticed about Jesus' disciples is that they were ordinary, unschooled men. But they took note that they had been with Jesus because it was obvious. There was something about them that was radically different but was not superior on some sort of scale. They weren't better than other people. They were different. And so when you think about a good spiritual parent, they're just trying to help other people people along the wheel find their way. They're just like trying to help an infant but grow up to being a child, stay alive long enough <laughs> to be a child, right? And then trying to, you know, make sure that this child doesn't play in the street too much. And then kind of trying to make sure your young adult has some good freedom to learn new things, but still comes back home with their head on their shoulders, right? You want them to have those and then, you've got, and then you've got other parents that you're trying to help because they all have moments where they're discouraged and you've got to encourage them, right? So a good spiritual parent can also be like a little bit like a grandparent sometimes to other spiritual parents. Um, so you don't have to know what you're doing at all to make disciples. Jesus sent his disciples out very quickly to start making disciples before they were done. They were fully baked. I don't know that they were ever fully baked. Jesus is about ready after discipling. Imagine if you had been discipled by Jesus for three years. Okay, Jesus is personally, God came down and discipled for three years. 
and these guys are arguing about who's the greatest person. And he's been talking to them about love and, and humbling yourself and washing each other's feet. And like he's been teaching and teaching and teaching them. And they're like, who's, who's the best? Who's the greatest? Who's going to sit on his right side and on his left side when he becomes king? And he's going, oh, like a parent, right? Like a spiritual parent. He's, he's got kids. That's what it's like. So even if you were discipled by Jesus for three years, you would still not have it all together, right? So that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about a process that we're all in. So what do you have to have, okay? What does an infant have to have? Or let's go all the way back to dead. What's a spiritually dead person have to have? Life, Life right? <laughs> What's an infant have to have? Food, yes. But you can feed a baby and it will still die. Love. You absolutely will, I don't, it's sad, but it's true. Um, it does long lasting harm to put a, to not love a child and feed it. We know this from orphanages in third world countries and different places where people have been severely neglected and it does huge harm to them. They had food. They did not do well without the love. A child must be loved. A baby actually is existing to, for someone to look them in the eye and think they're cute. They're looking for it. They're like, does anyone think I'm cute? <laughs> does anyone love me? <laughs> right? Absolutely. But what's a child need? Obviously, a child also still needs love. But what's something that absolutely is essential that a child needs? They must have it to proceed to the next stage. Yes, discipline, instruction, right? Or guidance, right? I'm going to put what you said. Instruction. Guidance, right? To move. Now, what does a young adult need? More than anything. Like to take, kind of take those next steps. Encouragement. They all need encouragement, yes. Love, encouragement. Support, definitely. They all need support. Freedom. Freedom, definitely. They need wise doses <laughs> of freedom and failure. Right? They need some freedom and failure in a good, safe environment. Why? this stage, very importantly, you're figuring out how to take what you learned here and do something with it and make it your own. What about a parent? What do you have to have to be a parent? You absolutely must have this to be a spiritual parent. In fact, it's the only thing you have to have to be a spiritual parent. What? No. Nope. Children. <laughs> That's right. You don't have to know what you're doing at all to be a spiritual parent, do you? You see how surprising this is? This is why Jesus says the last will be first and the first will be last, right? He does these flip-flops. You notice like this guy, this is not the pro. This is not you get a you get an F minus, you get a D plus, you get a C plus, you get an A. Right. This is you took you loved other people and took responsibility for someone else and helped them along the way. That's it. To be a spiritual parent, you just have to have children. Children. And so, 
What'd you say? Disciples. disciples. That's right. That's right. So you don't have to know what you're doing to make disciples. You do have to love people when they're in this stage. I'm just telling you right now. If you got some babies spiritually in your life, don't you don't yell at a baby, do you? No. You don't expect a baby to act like a parent, do you? But that's what we do. I'm telling you right now, if you guys decide to be in a small group or to lead a small group, you will have all these stages in your group. Yeah. And I need you, this is a tool of grace. This is not a merit system where we get badges, where we grow up through the process. <laughs> this is a tool of grace for you to go, oh, they're a spiritual baby. What do they need? They need me to love them. That's it. They showed up, I loved them, and they won't listen to anything I have to say. They don't do anything I want them to do. They just sit there and cry and whine. I have to change their diaper. That's it. <laughs> and that's okay. You just have to hang in there long enough for them to get big enough to start to hear your voice and know your words, and you can actually start to say no, right? <laughs> but you just got to love them. That's it. That's all you can do. There are some people you can only love, period. And I don't think you should stop loving people in these other stages. I think you should keep loving them, right? But you should start to expect more from a child than a baby, right? I hope when someone's 30 years old, they're not in their, you know, you go, you want them to be on their own a little bit, right? You don't want them to be like playing video games in the basement, <laughs> right? No job. You're like, no, I, I, we're kind of hoping, right, that you would progress to other stages. And so when people get stuck in these places, we want to kind of help move them along. But you know, if you got somebody in your group and they're just learning, 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 but they're very gullible and they have lots of bad ideas and they have lots of good ideas and they're just kind of all over the map, they really act like children. I think if you start to see people this way, you're going to go, oh my goodness, they're really children. Right? And so what do they need? They need some instruction. They need some guidance. That's it. You don't have to know a lot more. You could just know one more thing right, to give a little bit of guidance. You might want to think about not doing this, right? Or you might want to think about just a little bit of guidance. Young adult, same thing, where you go, hey, could you lead the group next week? Or, or could you, uh, you know, what, have you ever thought about coming in and setting up chairs on Sunday morning? Just get something to do, right? To try. Have you ever talked to any of your friends about Jesus? No. You know. Why not? A little challenge, right? I would say challenge might even be a better word <laughs> than freedom. <laughs> they need a challenge. And so you push people around and you go, all right. And then you go, all right, it's time. And this is the hardest one where you say, it's time to leave the nest. You need to go start helping some other people too. This isn't all about you. It's time to get a, you know, get a stable job and bring in the paycheck and take care of your kids. Like it's time to be a responsible human being right now, right? If you're gonna be a parent, something kind of clicks and goes, this isn't about me anymore. It's about somebody else. I need to take care of my family, right? And that happens spiritually in the, in the family of God as well, where we go, oh, you know what, we need to help each other. Um, when you have a church plant that meets in a school like this, you need a lot of parents fast. It's a problem. It's not what you get, though. You get discontent people <laughs> from the other places that they didn't like it. 
you might get some people that don't feel like they're being fed at the church that they were at, and so they kind of bop over to yours. Or you might get some spiritual children that are like, mine! Like, it's <laughs> like, I want my thing my way, right? Or you might even get some young adults that are like, I don't believe all the things that these other places believe, and I think that this is stupid, and I don't even think we need to have church. And, you know, they have all their own, like, wild, crazy ideas. And you go, okay, and you collect all of that. So if you even, like, sort of get what I'm saying, you're the spiritual parents for this church, <laughs> right? Like, it needs you desperately to take on that mantle, that role, quickly. And you, you can't learn how to do it. You need to be a, if, if you have to, be a teen parent, <laughs> right? <laughs> You're like, but I'm really kind of back here half the time, right? Now, this is not a linear process. Do you ever, do you guys ever act like a child spiritually? Raise your hand if you ever act like a child spiritually. Do you ever act like a total baby sometimes, just spiritually? Okay. So you never progress completely through the stages. Did your parents ever act like children? I, re I have vivid memories of saying that to my father once. That you are acting like a child. You know, it was not a good thing to say. <laughs> it was unwise. <laughs> so you, you go through this process and you go, okay, I'm never going to completely get there. So that's, that's discipleship as a process. Okay? Ready? All right. Now, when you start to do that, though, okay, there's, I need you to know just one more thing and then we'll wrap up. And I'm going to do it really fast. There's my part in discipleship. There's their part, the child, right? And there's God's part. This is not to scale. God's part's way bigger. <laughs> so, so there's my part, there's their part, and there's God's part. Now, which part am I supposed to do? My part. Which parts can I not do? Their part. <laughs> now, you'll be surprised how much you're going to forget this, and I'm going to come back. I'm going to come back to hang out with you guys again in like six months, and I'm going to say, remember what's your part, especially if you start to be a spiritual parent. Because you're going, man, I'm doing all this stuff. I'm picking up their socks every day and they never do their laundry. <laughs> yeah, that's, well, that's their part, right? They're supposed to pick up their socks. So you can't do God's part, you can't do their part. Make sense? So um, it's very important that you let God do his part. And don't ever try to be God. God convicts, you can't convict. God transforms people, you can't change anybody. Ever. Yeah, <laughs> the junior Holy Spirit. <laughs> exactly. You know, you kind of, you know, you think, well, by, by me, the elbow of the Holy Spirit, you know, it's like, come on, listen, listen. It doesn't work. You know, you, and you can't do their part or they'll never learn. Right? You have to only do your part and then go to bed and say, I'm doing the best I can. Lord, help me. And so that's it. This is very important for boundaries and for not becoming a cult also, by the way. <laughs> just as an aside discipleship turns wacko fast if you start going I'm going to make disciples and then you start you know you can get a power trip and you can really be a cult really quickly unless it's founded in the Bible real clear and everybody knows that they're only supposed to do their part they're not controlling each other you know just because you're the spiritual parent doesn't mean you can make anybody do anything it's an illusion you can't make your kids do anything either 
you, there's only a small stage where you can make them do what you want. It ends too quickly. <laughs> right. So there's my part, there's their part, there's God's part. Okay, so now let's do it. Let's have a small group. Um, going back to the triangle, there's the three big pieces of making a disciple, which is, you know, what's God saying? So you read the Bible, and you say, well, what's God saying? So these are the three questions you need to lead a small group. Okay, ready? What's God saying? We just read the Bible. What's he saying? Yeah. What's, he say what's the Holy Spirit saying? Live. Resurrected Jesus saying to you right now. It might not be in the, what we're talking about. But God's saying something, and what's he saying? And then it's like the next question, you know, we'll ha hopefully have up here, how does this challenge me? What's Jesus saying? How does this challenge me? That's a change question. Because Jesus is going this way, and I'm going this way. So what's it going to take for me to turn? Right? And then there's the what am I going to do? That's a mission question. What am I going to do with this thing? Am I going to give this to anybody? Am I going to do anything with it? We've had far too many sermons and not enough doing. You know, you've learned a lot. You know a lot. Now it's time to do something with it. What are you going to do with it? 